Welcome to Career Central with Lorraine Beeman. In this program, you will hear from career management experts who will provide guidance and strategies to help you advance or change your career. Now, here is your host, Lorraine Beeman. Welcome to Career Central. I'm Lorraine Beeman, your host of an hour totally committed to helping you achieve your career goals. Our guest today is Wanda Wallace, an expert in leadership development and author and podcast host, and she will help us understand how each stage of our careers requires a rethinking of leadership behaviors because different things are needed at different stages. So I am so delighted to welcome Wanda to Career Central. Thank you, Lorraine. It's a pleasure to be here. What a great title for a show, too, Career Central. I love it. Oh, thanks. We hope that people will come here first and then branch out, get all of the, the basic skills they need before they, um, they move on to areas of specialty. But let's start by having you share with our audience about your career path. Haha. <laughs> My career path, just about like everyone I have ever talked to, is uh, jig-jagged. <laughs> I, there's no way I would have predicted as a young person in my 20s, even early 30s, that I'd end up doing what I'm doing here now. And that's what I hear from absolutely everybody. Specifically for my career path, I started out doing a master's degree in education because I thought I wanted to spend my life as an educator. I taught high school for three years, enough to learn that that was not where I wanted to spend the rest of my life, that I was much more interested in adults. And so I went back for a PhD, research faculty member, faculty member in the business school as uh, teaching marketing, and then ultimately teaching leadership, then running a business for the business school, which was great fun. I went from having zero employees to having a staff of over 30 clients, a PL, and everything that went with that. Loved it. And then to founding my own business. Well, thank you for sharing. And I think our listeners will see that you made some career decisions along the way. You found something you didn't like and you had the courage to make a change and, and, and move on. So I thank you for sharing that. I, I always think it's great to share examples of career paths so people aren't thinking, oh, gee, I have to get to start out one way and then just keep going. So right. ch change is good. So we're going to talk a lot about change. Um, we do talk a lot about change. and We talk about managing our careers. And that often includes a goal of moving into a supervisory or a leadership role, you know, transitioning from being that individual contributor who sits at that desk and just turns out that work into a leadership role. And that can be a challenge. So why don't you share uh, your advice on how someone can make that, that transition from individual contributor to starting to be part of a leadership team? Okay, so the first thing is, I believe that the way careers progress from being individual contributor to managing a team are dramatically different today than they were 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't even look like the same beast. And in fact, it's so different, I don't even want to use the same language anymore. Because we're in a knowledge economy, and in many ways, for the bulk of your career, even if you're leading a team, you still have a component of your job that's being an individual contributor. It's like that content knowledge, that expertise doesn't ever 100% go away unless you've got huge scale and scope and you can afford then to be 100% dedicated to leading. It just doesn't happen for many people. 
So I find it's much more balancing act of two polar opposites, being that expert, which is knows what to do, how to do it, and does some of it myself, and also instructing other people how to do it well, training them, if you will, and being leading a large scope amount of work, which is outside my area of expertise, meaning therefore I can't do it. I'm guiding it, I'm coaching it, I'm enabling it, but I can't do it. And what's hard about careers today as they advance, it's a balance of two extreme polar opposites. Let's, especially since you're an expert in education, let's talk a little bit about training others. That's a challenge sometimes, again, when you're coming from that, you're an expert, sometimes you think everybody should know this. How do you train your, your folks? Right. Well, it also depends on where your folks are and where you are. So there's two questions you have to ask before Mm -hmm. you know how to go about training people. But let's take the easiest of all possible instructions. I have somebody working for me who knows virtually nothing about what I'm going to be asking them to do. And I know the details about how it needs to be done. Now, the temptation there is to instruct, to tell That's what your training is going to sound like. And there is a bit more of that. But if you do that for more than one round, people don't tend to like it very much. So you got to give a tiny bit of autonomy there. Now, I can't just say to somebody who knows nothing about what they're doing, here, go figure it out all by yourself. I've got to give them some guidelines. So think about taking what you already know and breaking it down into bite-sized chunks that are appropriate for the individual you're assigning it to. And think about how much guidance you truly need to give for that chunk and how much you can let the person figure out for themselves. I think it's great. And I think um, one of the challenges always is when you do something really well to sit down and figure out what the chunks are. Um, do you ever um, work with leaders who have that, that challenge of, yeah. okay, so how do you do that? You're, you're, you're great at your job and suddenly you look up and you've got to train somebody else. Yeah. What, what do you do? Well, so first let me say the biggest trap there is I can do it faster than everybody else can do it, which is true. You can. You're the expert. You know what you're doing. Of course you can. The problem is that's a more expensive solution because your time is worth more than somebody else's. So you have to think about that equation. Is it really worth it? And if you keep doing it for forever, then you're going to be forever in that seat doing that job. So pick your poison, I think I want (laughs) to say here. So let's say I have decided that I really do want to begin training somebody else and developing them. And I got to break my work into chunks. And the first thing is that means you have to clear some time in your day to think rather than run around like a crazy person doing all and right. you might say, let's, you know, bring the individual that's going to be assigned to this to come into my office and let me think out loud. And their job is to capture what it is I have described and come back and say what makes sense to them as chunks. And already I've given them a task to do over which they have autonomy. And then, yeah, I love that. I think you're also um, showing them that you trust them, that to trust them to, to figure it out, which I think is maybe part of that developing that being a leader is also right. showing that you trust trust right. your folks. You know, so let me just add one more while we're on this one. You know, when I'm becoming a manager, it's not that I just want to ditch it over to somebody else and say, here, go do it all by yourself. Good luck. Call me when it's done. If you have trouble, let me know. 
that's really not delegating. That's abandoning. Mm-hmm. So you, you don't want to totally let go, but you don't want to micromanage. And you think about where you need to have natural touch points in the course of the work, where you might have additional information you need to convey or something you need to check and structure those into how you think about these components that you're breaking down. And then it feels like it's planned, anticipated, and you're on top of what's happening. I love that. Don't ditch, delegate. And I think part of that delegation and developing your folks is also a measure of your leadership, isn't it? I mean, Absolutely. as you're trying to demonstrate that you're a strong leader. Look, one of the biggest, the first, most important signal that um, your company is going to look at to say, are you ready to take any leadership responsibilities at all, is whether or not you can create leverage. If you can't create leverage, then I don't need you leading. I need somebody else leading because the whole point about leading is leverage. Like you can get more done with this collection than you could do by yourself. Um, And that's just like, that's critical. Absolutely critical. And you have to also be in mind that when you're taking these first steps as a leader, your workload is going to dramatically increase. You're going to still have your day work largely And you have this management supervision training coaching part on top of it. So if you can't find leverage, you're going to have a really bad year. It's just not not as, you're not going to enjoy it as much. And that's really important. Now, we've talked about the new leader's role of, you know, coaching, you know, their staff, training them. But what about asking for help from the person that's leading you. Sometimes when you're a new leader, you feel like, oh, I don't want to admit that I don't know this um, because they hired me to be a leader or manager. And now I'm going to go, I don't know what I'm doing. So yeah. what's, your, what's your advice? Let me quote from one of my favorite people who's a very, very senior executive at a well-known company. And he says, the biggest mistake people make when they get a job is they start trying to prove that they deserve the job. Forget it. You got the job, get on with do the job. So in many ways, you don't need to prove you deserved it anymore. If you're trying to do that, all you're doing is encouraging your direct reports to come and challenge you on whether or not you should have that job or not. Not a good strategy. So you got the job. Now let's talk about how doing it. And as you're leading a large group of people to think, to even have the idea in a company that you could know everything you need to know in order to do something is kind of ludicrous if you stop to think it. But for some reasons, we feel like we're supposed to. And that mindset just is deadly. It makes, basically, you're saying to everybody is I'm smarter than anybody else around. And that is not a whole lot of fun. So we have to get over that fear of A, asking the question when you say, I don't think I know. And then B, um, asking for somebody else to help, letting them contribute, letting them know something is enormously engaging and motivating. So why not? So I have to do this by two stories, Lorraine. One is a story, a most recent story from a very senior person, a woman in this particular case, who's got something that's blown up inside her organization. Now she's not directly supervising it. It's a few steps down from her, but it's her organization. And it was a complicated process. Did she fully understand what went into that process? No. Should she have fully understood what went in that process? Probably not. Somebody else should have, but not her. But she will say the biggest mistake is I didn't ask enough questions. I didn't say, explain this to me. I don't understand it. She said, I didn't because I was trying to prove 
that I knew everything or I was trying to make sure nobody had any questions with whether I knew enough. And it, it just gets you in trouble. All right. The second story is I often talk to men about, especially ones who've really succeeded, their careers have just taken off. They've done really, really good job. And to say, how do you keep your confidence high, particularly when you go in to take a job that you know you don't know 100% of everything there is to know in order to do the job? I quit asking because I only ever get one answer. And the answer is always, I need to think who's going to come join me, who does know that thing. Mm. One of my favorite stories, again, a very senior guy, um, very uh, masculine type character. And I say that with all genuine affections because he's a, he's a great guy in many, many ways. He's just very masculine. And I asked him this question and we happened to be in a public forum and I thought he was going to reach across the stage and strangle me. <laughs> because, like, how dare you ask me that question publicly? I knew his answer though. So it was okay. Ask him a second time. He rolled his eyes and he said, yeah, I lose my confidence every time I have to go in and present to our CFO, a woman. And she's way smarter than I am. She knows the numbers far better than I do. It's just a matter of time before she's going to catch me out and find out I don't know something. There we go. Male leading a big business and the imposter syndrome popping up. So I say to him, what do you do to handle that lack of confidence? And he looks at me with this complete shrug of shoulders, raised eyebrows like that is dumb. I take Joe with me. Joe knows the numbers. He likes the exposure. He can answer the detailed questions. I look smart. CFO is happy. Duh. Like, why would you ever think about doing anything else? And I just find that, that we don't think enough about bringing somebody with us or asking somebody to help us and the benefits that that pays for us, for our knowledge, for our leverage, as well as for the other person feeling excited about being involved. Great, great advice. I love it. I'm, my new thing is bring Joe with you. When in doubt, <laughs> bring Joe. It's easy to remember. Um, you, you shared about training others, which, which was great. What, what if you do, like the, the person you spoke about, wind up um, being assigned to a group that's way outside your, your area of expertise? I'm thinking like, Somebody is brought into a high-tech company or something, and that really is not their thing. So what's the strategy for that person? Okay. All right. So the first thing is you can't really be checking up on your team because you don't know enough to be checking up on your team. Mm. Okay. Let's get over it. That's the nature of the reality, which means you have to trust the people you have in those roles. If you don't trust them for legitimate reasons, then you need to find somebody you do trust. Because this does not work unless we've got competence underneath you. Now, assuming you've got reasonable competence underneath you, then the next step is, does it make logical sense to you, given what you know about the business, the commercial viability, the strategy? And this is where you just have to ask questions. And yes, you're going to feel like an idiot and you just have to say, I don't understand how this works. Walk me through it. If you do that in a really kind, caring, curious way, most people are actually kind of flattered. You really want to know what I do and how I do it. Um, so one of the guys that I interviewed uh, was running a tech company and knew nothing about engineering, technology, computer science, programming, nothing, zero. And this is a tech business that he's started and running. 
What's his solution? He goes down and spends a half day with the engineers. And he said, I'm not an engineer. I'm not going to be an engineer. That's your job. But I kind of do want to know what you're doing. Like what, what's taking your time? Where are you spending your energy? Where do you need more resources? What's hard for you? What's easy for you? And those questions are not let me validate that you know what you're doing. It's let me understand how I can make decisions that are going to help you. So that's the core part of how you want to think about the team. Second part about this one is, um, you know, you have lots more resources at your disposal than your team does. How are you using those resources to enable the team to get their job done? So where do you use your network for them? Where do you bring in insights from meetings? Where do you give access to a different department that they might need help from? All of those use that information and resources that you have available to make the job easier for your team members. And that is, they will love you for it. So I think that wrapping up some of the things you've been saying is when you first assume that leadership role, yes, you're going to feel uncomfortable, but trust your team, interact with your team, you know, access your resources. And as you make other people feel good about the job they're doing, then they're going to help you do your job. So you, you're, you're no longer the expert in everything. You become almost the cheerleader too for, for the folks that are working for you. Trust tra training and um, helping them yeah. advance in their careers. We are going to take a very, very quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to continue our discussion on how to prepare for leadership roles. So stick with us. We'll be right back with Wanda. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you worried your job will end? Is there someone in your life who is facing a layoff? Career transition specialist Lorraine Beeman has condensed 20 years of experience helping people cope with sudden unemployment into an easy-to-read how-to book, Career Restart. Practical advice for surviving and moving forward after a job loss. Knowing how to handle a job loss will help you move into your next job. This book guides you through the restart of your career, from how to prepare for a termination meeting to how to respond to interview questions about your job loss. Lorraine's book offers strategies for moving from terminated to hired. Tap into proven methods for changing the focus from job loss to career success. Career Restart, practical advice for surviving and moving forward after a job loss. Available at Amazon.com. Click the link on the Career Central show page to pick up your copy today. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into Career Central. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. 
That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, you may send it to Lorraine at interviewtowork.com. That's Lorraine at interview, the number two, work.com. Now, back to Career Central. Welcome back to Career Central and our wonderful conversation with Wanda Wallace this morning. Before we took the break, we were talking about um, how to transition from being an individual contributor to um, beginning a leadership role. And during the break, we talked a little bit about um, knowing that you're ready to make that transition. And so we thought we'd just kick off this segment with my asking Wanda, how does somebody know they're ready to go from that, that expert to a leadership role? Um, I think you never know. So if you're asking for yourself, (laughs) I want you to keep in mind that there are going to be four things that most people really struggle with when they're in that first-time leadership job. And one of them we've mentioned already, which is the workload. You're doing your regular day job and you're managing other people. So learning how to navigate that, creating leverage and so on is mandatory. And it's a tough one. The second thing is you're typically going from being a peer to being a manager of those people. That's a tough transition. You don't interact the same, figuring it out, what's okay, not okay with this group, with there is a hard one, just a really hard one. The third one is you are now giving feedback and coaching in ways you probably never were doing before. You may have given a little feedback, but if the person didn't wanna hear it, you could walk away from it. Now as a manager, you have to give the feedback And you have to make sure they heard it and give it again and again and again. And you're obligated to coach people on the back end of that so they learned. And then the fourth one is suddenly people are reporting to you who are just flat out not like you. So learning to deal with that range of personalities. I know we have them when we're individual contributors and we got people around us, but we mostly ignore those people. When it's my team, I can't ignore them and I can't replace all of them either. So you sort of have to dig in and figure out how am I going to make this work. So that's things for you to think about as you're moving. What most people ask me though, Lorraine, and where I think you were going with this Mm -hmm. question is really how does the organization know you might be ready to do this? Okay. And, you know, assuming you've already proven that you can you're the expert, you know what you're doing, you can be relied on to deliver all those obvious things that you would have before we'd even consider you in a leadership role. But then, honestly, we look for signals that you will be effective in leadership, in leading people, okay? And two particular kinds of signals I think are enormously helpful. One is, as an individual contributor, you're in a host of meetings with people from all different areas, and there will be some discussion about how to get something done of which you have a piece. We watch how you interact with those peers in that room. How do you convince them to do things? Do they follow you naturally? Is there lots of tension? All of those human relationship signals in those moments or what convince us as your senior leaders that you are perhaps ready or not ready. And then that also means sometimes what you're doing is taking on tasks that are outside your day job. So this is, for example, organizing a charity event. 
or organizing a team event on Zoom or Teams or whatever your preferred platform is, volunteering to organize stuff, doing it and having everybody participate in is a leadership role. And I get to watch, how'd you do that? Did you do it well, not so well? It tells me whether or not you're ready. So those are the kind of things to be thinking about in terms of getting the signal that you're ready. I love it. So um, I like that balance, those things that you'll be expected to do so you can prepare. But then um, even though the leadership is looking and picking up, um, as an individual contributor, if your goal is to become a leader, then you're going to want to be very conscious. When you go to the meeting, it's not just getting, get out, get your part done but maybe speak up, um, volunteer, and simply play nice with other folks. And I think that's um, earlier you talked about, we don't always get along with everybody on our team. If you're a leader, you have to. And yeah. so that might be things that we can do to help um, increase our potential for being, for being tapped right. for leadership. I know another thing we talked um, during the break was the different steps of your career. Right. Um, I right. would love to have you share that with the audience. Okay. So what I want everybody to understand is the, the first one is not a bad one, and you can stay in that kind of role for a really long time. The second one is not a bad one or an inferior one. You can stay in that role for a really long time. And the third one isn't the ideal necessarily. So this is not a one, two, three, and three is the prize. It's three distinct steps in career. So, and I want to talk about transitions that individual contributor where I know what to do, I'm delivering at top performance, I'm best in class, and I am the expert. I know how to get things done and mm -hmm. I do it. That's a great role and many people stay in an individual contributor role for 90% of their career, some for 100%. There's nothing wrong with that. All right. Now, some people will then go from being an individual contributor to being what you called a supervisor. I often call a manager. Mm -hmm. And what you're doing, you might manage a small team, you might manage an enormous team. Sometimes it's one person, sometimes I've seen it as 200 all in one go. It can be anything. But you go from being able to do all of it yourself to now being responsible for other people's doing and your doing as well. So it's that blend of expert leadership and others are doing. Typically in this first roles, you know more than the people that you're leading. Mm -hmm. So you are a content expert among content experts, typically. And so people will constantly come to you all day, how do I solve this particular problem? And they love and respect working for you because of that. You could stay in that kind of a role for a really long time. The team might be one, two, three, and you have an enormous contribution to the firm and it might be much larger, just varies. All right, now the third transition is when we go into what I call spanning, because I'm changing the scope, the span of the kind of things that I'm responsible for, some of which I know relatively little about. And I'm changing the scale, meaning the volume of things that I'm responding to. Typically for most people, it's not expert and spanning, it's a blend. So the time I go for that first spanning role, where I keep some of my expertise, but I'm adding this responsibility for things outside my expertise is the last really difficult challenge. Thank you. Thank, wonderful information. Um, 
And, and again, you know, validating the fact that being an individual contributor may be exactly, you know, where you want to be and, you know, embrace that, 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 you know, and then again, helping define what a manager is and then moving into probably that executive um, role. So I know that um, traditionally, we talked in the beginning about how we're not using the same old terms. And I agree, things are changing. The world is changing quickly. Um, traditionally, when we talked about increasing responsibilities, we talked about climbing the ladder of success or climbing the corporate ladder. But I know that you um, have a different way of describing that, that career progression. And I would really like it if you would share it with our <laughs> listeners. All right. So climbing the ladder presumes that it's mostly stable. It's in a fixed location. It goes up by steady increments and there's no gaps between one step and the next step. It's like it's one, two, three, four. I can see what's ahead of me. I sort of know what's required for me to get there and so forth. And what's really frustrating to people is from the time I enter into a company, for the first five, maybe 10 years, mm -hmm. it feels like a ladder. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly the ladder literally runs out. There isn't that next step. And people mm -hmm. get worried about it and anxious and I don't know what's next and the company's not telling me and my manager's not a good manager and all that stuff. It's just where the truth is we've run out of ladder. So we need a new metaphor because ladder doesn't do the job <laughs> and it's never that steady or that stable or that reliable. So I like to think of a career much more like a tree where yes, there is higher levels to achieve. And sometimes, you know, some trees are wide and fat and some trees are tall and skinny and that's true for organizations and it's true for business units within organizations as well. And some of the branches are low hanging and some, you know, I do need a ladder to get to those first mm -hmm. branches. And that's where a ladder would apply. I love it, yeah. But the moment I get to the branches, I want you to notice now they are not evenly spaced. They are not equally strong. They're not as easy to grasp. There are many ways to get from one to the other to somewhere else. Um, I can sometimes have to go out on a limb in order to reach something that's a little bit higher that's a little risky. That's what careers are like. If I get too far out on that limb, then it's rather difficult to get back and it's dangerous. That's what careers are like. You don't want to get too far outside the base because otherwise you're at risk for being less relevant to the organization. Um, you... I have one last piece to say yeah. to this, which is, and by the way, I can't take that next step, you know, climbing higher if somebody's already occupying that limb. I have to wait. And the last part I like about the tree is it's very wobbly when you get at the top. I think it's pretty wobbly when you get to the top of an organization too. <laughs> um, so any examples of people who have sort of moved up, up the tree? And I, I'm really, I like your analogy of getting too far out on the branch. And so... How does that translate into how we make career decisions? We're, we're, you know, we're in a job, you know, we hope to expand our level of responsibility. What kind of decisions should we be making to stay away from the, the far reaching limbs? Well, you know, the first decision is do I love what I'm doing? Mm -hmm. I know that some people say that's not important. I think it's critical. If you don't love it, you're never going to work hard enough at it to be really best in class. And mm -hmm. that's going to make it hard for you to advance. 
And then you need to keep sight. So like if there's one career that says, I'm going to stay as an individual contributor and I don't care if I get out on the limb on that one. I love it. I'm going to continue to do it. I'll find my way accordingly. And that's okay. Just know the choices you're making. Mm -hmm. If your aspiration though is to run a bigger piece of the business, to climb a higher in one of those branches and have a broader oversight, then you've got to be thinking what kind of positions, experiences are going to allow me to be credible at that next higher level where people looking up through the branches say, right, I'm willing to follow her. And that you cannot sit down in the base of the trunk and figure out. So this is where you need to go to people and say, if I wanted to run a business like this one over here or head this department or be in charge of this region or whatever your aspirations is, what experiences make me a credible candidate? You're not looking for a job. You're looking for buckets of kind of experiences. So you can get some guidance of, I need to spend some time on all sides of the tree. Fantastic. Because yeah. I, th I think sometimes we think we'll just stay in our, in our lane and become an expert and then we'll become enough of an expert. Somebody will tap us and say, okay, you're such an expert, lead your team. And I, I like the fact that you're saying, and it can be outside work, but you, you know, you learn maybe if you're going to be a manager, a little bit about HR and, and that whole balance. So is that what kind of what you're, you're saying? That's what I'm saying. Um, so let's see, if you were to take this in a classic manufacturing kind of world, not that we have an awful lot of those, but I'll pick that one because it's easy to do. And you wanted to run um, the business unit, let's say in a local region, you would need to have spent some time in manufacturing. You need to understand some rudiments of your labor and labor negotiations and labor contracts, whatever that looks like for you. You need to understand the financials really powerfully. Um, you need to have a really good personality with people and you may need to know something about technology and you probably have to have spent some time in some regulatory places. So, and you definitely have to have spent time with clients. So pick up those buckets and say, where have I had those exposures? Where do I need to strengthen the exposure? What do I know nothing about? And I need to find a way to learn and then ask people, that's what you take to your mentors and say, how do I get exposure to this part of the business? And I just want to reinforce what you're saying, because we talk a lot about managing your career and that especially now you're the one that needs to look at what you need and then go ask for it. It's right. um, that old ladder module model came along with people who trained you. Oh, we're going to move you to the next level. So there's this organized, you know, we're going to float you through all of the branch offices and all of that. That doesn't happen now in most companies unless right. you ask or you go the extra mile and say, gee, can I do that on my own time? Yeah. And if you don't say you want it, we don't even put you in the hopper of people we're thinking about because there's so many folks. Um, so it, it's, yes, you have to be much more proactive in the course of your career. Now, Lorraine, the sad thing though, is when I'm on that individual contributor track and I'm learning the job, the steps are really obvious and somebody yeah. showing me the next steps. The problem is they run out after that. <laughs> yeah. So so we climb the ladder in our area of expertise, but then when we're talking about going into leadership, then we right, we right. enter that first branch. Of, I love the model of the tree because then you're kind of scrambling around and pulling up and trying to figure out who else is on that branch and 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 who can help you give you a little boost until the next next one. Um I really, um, you know, appreciate your insights, especially giving some time about how long you stay in that area of expertise. I think a lot of folks, you know, 
uh, get that first job and they think, okay, when am I going to be the manager of this department? And so um, I, I really, really um, appreciate that. Um, any other thoughts about um, the analogy of, of the tree of, because um, I, lo I love it, but anything else you want to share about how yeah. we move it? When, well, how we move around it. You yeah. can't tell when you're on a branch what the next three steps are going to be. You're going to have to get up and then look around and say, well, what's possible? You might have planned a route, but if somebody's already on that branch, you're either waiting, hanging out for them to leave, which is okay. That happens sometimes. Or you're looking for a different route. And sometimes that leads to very interesting sideline experiences until there's an opportunity. So that's one thing. The other thing is, you know, when you're climbing a tree, it's really nice if somebody's ahead of you, kind of reaching out a hand for helping you, but also reaching out a hand of safety, as in watch out for that trap over there, or that one's a little wobbly, or let me catch you if you fall. The same is true in careers. We need people ahead of us who are helping pull us through or who are giving us advice about which route to take. And I love that idea of reaching out and asking for help, because I think so often, again, we go back to the, I need to know it all. If I don't know it all, if I admit that I don't know something, then I'm not the strongest, strongest player. So anyway, we're going to take another very quick break. Then we're going to come back and continue our conversation on leadership and learn a little bit more about Wanda and what is, what is she is doing. So stay with us. We're going to be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you worried your job will end? Is there someone in your life who is facing a layoff? Career transition specialist Lorraine Beeman has condensed 20 years of experience helping people cope with sudden unemployment into an easy-to-read how-to book, Career Restart. Practical advice for surviving and moving forward after a job loss. Knowing how to handle a job loss will help you move into your next job. This book guides you through the restart of your career. From how to prepare for a termination meeting to how to respond to interview questions about your job loss. Lorraine's book offers strategies for moving from terminated to hired. Tap into proven methods for changing the focus from job loss to career success. Career Restart, practical advice for surviving and moving forward after a job loss. Available at Amazon.com. Click the link on the Career Central show page to pick up your copy today. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. 
when it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into Career Central. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, you may send it to Lorraine at interviewtowork.com. That's Lorraine at interview, the number two, work.com. Now, back to Career Central. Welcome back to Career Central and our conversation with Wanda Wallace. Um, we have been talking so much about taking on leadership roles and wonderful advice, but I want to revisit something that we touched on just a little bit earlier in the show, and that is how you deal with feeling overwhelmed when you're in a new leadership role. We were even talking about how with the pandemic, leadership is going to change, and so even if you've been an expert leader, either going on Zoom. I mean, there's just feelings of being overwhelmed. And Wanda, because we have her here, we're going to ask her what her tips and strategies are for handling that. Okay. All right. So part one is a mindset. And then part two, I have something tactical to do. Okay. So the mindset thing is understand, as we've said already, Lorraine, that you have to stop trying to do it all by yourself. Okay. And that means you have to stop trying to know it all. That your job becomes to enable less about controlling or about doing, mm-hmm. okay? And all of that means, particularly as you progress into those spanning roles, that you're managing your relationships now is far outweighing your time and mental capacity than the doing of the task yourself. Because the way you get stuff done is through those relationships, right? And the sooner you can lean into that, the less overwhelmed you're going to feel. Now, the practical part about this one is I'm going to give you two questions that I think will help you start to watch people who are really good at this or ask a mentor about it. So one of the things that I encourage you to do is about the work you're doing right now, what is essential? So you're thinking about those number one priorities. What's the thing that if I don't do is going to cause everything else to blow up? And how perfect does it actually need to be? Okay. And then your second question when you're the manager is, great, who can cover it or who can cover parts of it? You may still have to own a piece of it, but you don't have to own every piece. So getting really, really clear about the essential, the number one, we always say priorities. I think priorities is overused. So that's why I'm using the word essential. What's essential? What if we do now is going to make everything else easier? And then who can cover it? Who can cover parts of it? And watch people, you know, watch um, mentors and managers and what do they do and how do they navigate these relationships? The best advice I can give you. Fantastic. And I'm, I'm sure you've had this experience, but I've watched a lot of new young leaders totally fail because they did not get that idea of stop, of not doing it all themselves and trusting other people to do it. And that was their downfall. They were working 60 hours a week and finally were so exhausted. They really just crash and burn. either resigned or they crashed and burned. Yeah. Well, or worse, you get so stressed that you then start snapping at people. Yeah. And as a manager, the moment you start snapping at people, it's going to be a short story from there to trouble. So, right. Because your, your second point was, you know, relationships are become almost more important than the time you spend on a task. And if you're snapping at people, you're losing your team just mm-hmm. pretty fast, pretty fast. Mm-hmm. 
We could probably talk for hours, but I want to ask you if there's any additional career advice you'd like to share with our listeners. Um, I believe leadership is a balancing act. Mm -hmm. For any one quality that anybody tells you is great, and it will be, I want you to look at the polar opposite and say, when do I need to do one? And when do I need to do a little less of that or to do the opposite of it? I just think it's a constant seesaw act where I'm making minor adjustments to reach the largest number of people in the best possible way. And it's, that's, I mean, that's what it takes because, you know, this might work for you, but I do the polar opposite for somebody else. And I got to be willing to do that flex, um, what we call versatility. I just think that's one of the big things. And again, you can't get there if you don't have good relationships. If you're not managing those relationships well, you don't get the information you need to know how to flex and adjust and adapt. So that's one of my pieces of advice. Fantastic. And I can see it in the whole tree image too, the, you know, it's easy to be on the ladder and hang on to both sides, but the tree limb, you know, you're kind of, you know, trying to balance yourself and it really helps if you can, you know, grab onto somebody else and even if it's their leg or hand yeah. or whatever they offer you. So great, great advice. Um, I'd love to have you um, tell our listeners a little bit more about you, um, how to get hold of you, how to follow your podcast, all of those things. Okay. Well, I hope I'm easy to find. So Google me, Wanda Wallace. I think a lot of things will pop up on that one. <laughs> um, our company website is leadership-forum.com. So that one's fairly easy to find. And from there, you can get to all sorts of things that will list books, that will list events that we're hosting, virtual events that we're hosting. It'll list articles and so on. I'm on Twitter at AskWanda, W-A-N-D-A. I'm on LinkedIn, regular contributor there. I write a regular column for strategy plus business. And I have a podcast myself called Out of Comfort Zone. And we're doing, if that's not enough, a subscription service on Out of the Comfort Zone, which you can check out at outofthecomfortzone.com. Three different kind of offers there. Super excited about what we're putting out for people to develop their capability. Fantastic. And I, I encourage you to tap into all her resources. They're just, just fantastic. We, we're going to ask you one more question and we ask it of all our guests. We ask our um, guests to give our listeners a five second challenge, something that they can do right after the show that's fairly quick that will help them start to develop a career advancing strategy. So what would you like to challenge them to do? All right. My favorite all time, do it all the time, suggest it all the time. Here you go. Pick three people. Okay. Um, it's handy to pick pe three people you like as opposed to people you don't necessarily admire mm -hmm. and ask them to describe to you the steps that they've taken in their careers and ask them to describe which ones were good ones and which ones were bad ones. They'll have one or two where they say, I made a mistake. Okay. And then notice the range of activities. And you can even ask, how did you get from one to the other? Take note of that. It might be a five-minute conversation. You might be lucky enough to have a 30-minute conversation, but take note. Get a journal. Write it down. Pay attention to this when you meet people throughout the organization and just collect the range of ways in which people go about building their career. It will give you tons of insight. 
Fantastic suggestion. Wanda, I want to thank you so much for sharing all this career advancing um, advice with our listeners. You have been an amazing guest. Thank you so much for being so generous with both your time and your insights. Um, if someone is close to you who is losing a job, I want you to check out my book, Career Restart, Practical Advice for Surviving and Moving Forward After Job Loss. It's available on Amazon. It's been out for a few months and I'm getting great feedback from folks who find it very, very helpful when they're going through um, layoffs or terminations. It's a quick read and it's just strategies for handling everything from anticipating a layoff through transitioning to a new job. If you're listening to us on iTunes, Spotify, or another platform that lets you rate our show and leave comments, please let us know how we are doing. Um, we work for praise, basically. If you tell us what, what you like, we will try and bring it to you. Career Central is committed to bringing practical career advancing advice to you every week, and your feedback will help us achieve that goal. If you prefer emailing suggestions, you can email me at careercentralhost at gmail.com. That's careercentralhost at gmail.com. Our guest next week will be Raquel Wales. She's the author of The Fear Factor at Work, uh, who will share strategies for dealing with the fear that is holding us back from achieving our career goals. Wanda talked a lot about being overwhelmed. There's a lot of emotional um, aspects to being successful on the job. It's not all about knowing your job. It's about those things we talked about the imposter syndrome, the, the concern, the, the fear of failure that, that can actually be holding us back. Before we go, I want to remind everybody of Wanda's five-second challenge, which I think is just amazing. Um, as soon as this show ends and it's safe, make a list of three people who you like, who you admire. Reach out to them. Ask them if you can have a brief conversation with them and ask them about their careers what was good, what was bad. Um, and from that, you can glean some suggestions on how to help manage your career. So um, until our next show, this is Lorraine Beeman, who is encouraging you to take care of your career because you are the only one qualified to do it. Thanks so much for, for being with us today. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of Career Central. Be sure to join your host, Lorraine Beeman, for another program next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week.